0: Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you for joining us this morning. I hope you all are doing well. My name is Travis. Uh, if it is your first time here, uh, thank you for joining us. We're glad you're here checking things out, and I would love a chance just to reach out and let you know how much we appreciate your visits. If you do me a huge favor, uh, we have some welcome cards out there at our welcome table as you go back into the hallway. Uh, just fill one of those cards out, and uh, we got a free gift that we'd love to give you as well. And again, that just gives me an opportunity to say thank you so much for your visit and let you know how much uh, we appreciate you joining us here today. And uh, just to let you know, church, before we jump into what we have today, just a reminder, we're starting a new series next Sunday called Good News. So we've got these uh, little invite cards to help you get the word out and invite people to come and join us as this series is all about the gospel it's all about good God's good news to us in this world so we're gonna get back to some foundational basic truths over those uh, few weeks that we're digging into this idea we're going to talk about God's message we're gonna talk about the word we're going to talk about salvation what that means for us I hope you can join us I hope you're inviting grab some of these cards that are at our table out there on your way out uh, scatter these all over the county everywhere you go let's get the word out and invite people and it's a perfect time to invite people who do not have a church home who may or may not not know Jesus, they're gonna hear all about the good news of God's salvation. There's a perfect series to invite people in. So do that. And then uh church we, we've been uh, for these these two weeks we've kind of set aside like we talked about last week we, we set these two weeks aside to to talk about who we are as a church. So we're calling this Vision Sunday. So we had part one last week. Today is part two. And remember how we define vision. It's not something that we come up with, right? God doesn't just say, hey, you come up with the vision for the church. Y'all do whatever you want to do. Uh, Go for it, right? Like he doesn't do that. He gives us clear commands in his word for what he wants, his vision, his direction, his goals, his uh, mission for the church. He, He tells us clear clearly in scripture what he wants us to do. So what we do when we we cast a vision, we go to God's word. We say, what are your clear commands, Lord? What's your clear direction for us? And then how do we apply that to our specific context here at Haynes Creek? So last week was all about high level who we are as a church. And we said that, that who we are as a church is centered around three big ideas, three big commands in scripture, and that is love God, love people, and make disciples. Everything we do as a church is filtered through those three things, those three commands. How can we love God? How can we love people? How can we make disciples? So that, that's who we are as a church. And we showed this, uh, Chris, you got that discipleship map, pathway, whatever we're going to call it. So this is kind of a, our, our goals as a church. So we want to love God, love people, make disciples. So how do we do that? And we talked about how we have these, these eight behaviors, these eight action steps that we center everything around as a church. So these are things that we as a church body can do to help us love God, love people, make disciples. So we talked about love God. We talked about how we can do that is through our personal devotion, right? It starts with our own time with the Lord. And we talked about corporate worship, the, the importance of gathering together as the people to worship and celebrate who God is. And we talked about how we, we are called to be generous with our finances towards the mission of God. These are all things that help us love God as a corporate body. And we talked about loving people, To behavior centered around that is, is uh, loving and serving the church and loving and serving our community, right? We want to serve one another. We want to care for one another each other's needs, but we also don't want to just to stay with, within these walls, right? We want to go out into the community and love people and, and meet their needs as well. So we talked about that. And then and then make disciples. We have three behaviors centered around making disciples, right? Making disciples starts with evangelism. So we want to reach our neighbor, and we want to reach the nations. We want to reach those who are close to us with the gospel, our friends, our family, our neighbors, co-workers, anybody in our lives. We want to reach our neighbor, and we also want to reach the nations, right? We are sent to the nations. Again, it's not just about us. It's not just about our own little community and world here. It is it is a global mission that God has called us to. So we want to reach our neighbor, we want to reach the nations, and we want to connect in discipleship, right? This is the whole point of making disciples. Jesus says, "Go and make disciples." How do you do that? Teach them. Teach them everything about me. Teach them how to walk in obedience to my word. Right? That's what Jesus calls us to. That's discipleship. So we as the church want to help you grow as a believer, want to teach you all about Jesus. And we do that in a variety of different ways, right? We do it with small groups, Sunday school, Bible studies. We do that here in, in in these moments as we gather together on Sundays, right? There's a whole bunch of different ways we try to teach you and help you grow as a disciple. So that's that's who we are as a church, right? And those are the, those eight actions, those eight behaviors are our goals for us to keep in mind as we seek to obey the mission of God. Here's what we can do as a church body. And we believe if we, if we are all walking in those eight behaviors, we will walk in obedience to God's call to love God, love people, and make disciples as a church in this area. So that's what we talked about last week. So today, what we said is, is today is all about how are we gonna apply that to this year in 2023? Because we can't do everything, right? We can't do everything, especially the church at our stage. We certainly can't do everything that we may want to do, right? Everything that we desire to do, we can't accomplish all of it. So how can we focus in on a few things this year? So that's what today is all about. And as as myself and, and the elders and, and leaders we're, were praying about, what Lord, what do you want from us in this year? Where are we as a church, and how can we take some steps towards where you want us to be? And as we were we were praying the statement. I believe came from the Lord. The Lord gave me this statement. So this is our, our, you can call it whatever you want to, a vision for the year, our theme for the year, uh, words for the year, whatever it is, this is what we're gonna focus on it. This idea, these words, and it's this, grow in love. Grow in love. That's what we wanna do in 2023. We want to grow in love. We want to grow in our love for God. We wanna grow in our love for others. So that's what this year is going to be centered around for us as a church. So sermon series, uh, Bible study classes, any ministry initiatives that we do, is, it's going to be focused on this. How can we as a church, how can we as individual believers grow in our love for God and others this year? So that's what I want to talk about today is growing in love. And I want to set before us this kind of some big ideas, some thoughts and some ways, some steps that we can take as individuals and some steps that we as a church can take to help us grow in love. So that's where we're going today. And and this idea of growing in love, it's centered around two prayers that we see in the New Testament, two prayers that Paul writes out to churches that he helped plant. Young churches in the early stages, just like we are these two prayers that he prays for these churches. One is in Ephesians chapter three and one is in 1 Thessalonians three. So that's where we're going. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter three. We'll start there and then we'll jump over to 1 Thessalonians and talk about that in a little bit. So again, our idea here, our theme for the year, our vision for the year is to grow in love. That's the statement I want us to hold tightly onto. We want to grow in love. We want to grow in our love for God. We want to grow in our love for for others, So let's talk first idea, growing in our love for God. We want to grow in our love for God. And again, this, this idea comes from Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. So Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, Paul writes this. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So Paul starts out this prayer. He says, For this reason. And that points us back to the preceding verses, which we read some of those last week. For those that were here, maybe you you caught it on YouTube or or listened to the podcast, we read some of these verses that that come before where Paul talks about the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church, as Paul writes it here in Ephesians uh, chapter 10, is so that, that the church can display and declare the multifaceted wisdom of God. So that we can display and declare the message of who God is and what he's done for us. That's the purpose of the church. That's what we are called to do. And look, Paul knows, just like we should know and hear that, like that's, that's a big call, that's a big ask to declare who God is and his message to the world. That's a big ask, that's a big mission. And Paul knows that we can't do that on our own. So he says that and then he prays this prayer. And this prayer tells us how we are to live that mission out. And it's all centered on loving God. It's all centered on our hearts for God. So Paul prays in this passage, he prays for the church to be able to do four things. Four things for us that Paul prays for. The first thing that he prays for is that we may be strengthened by the Spirit and Christ would dwell in our hearts. These two ideas are connected. That we would be strengthened in our inner being, that, that Christ would dwell in our hearts. That's the first prayer. So what does that mean? Well, when you write "strengthen," it's this idea that means uh, being fortified or braced, like being, being made strong. It carries that idea. But it also carries with it this idea of, of being invigorated. Right, like it's like this idea of, man, I got, I got a fresh wind. I got a, got a breath of fresh air. Like when you're, when you're tired and you're worn down, but you got that one extra thing to do and you just, you muster up that, that next level of energy, right? Like I just, I got it, and now you got this fresh wind, maybe drink a cup of coffee, get an energy bar, whatever it is, right? You get this fresh wind, new energy, ready to accomplish whatever you've set out to accomplish. That's what Paul's praying for us. He's praying that that we would have this this adrenaline injection of the Spirit in our hearts, that we would be made strong and then invigorated to work out the mission of God, to live out the mission of God. So he prays for us to be strengthened and that Christ would dwell. Christ would dwell. That that word dwell carries with it this idea of of permanent residence. So think of it as the idea that that when, when we say Christ wants to dwell with us, he wants to make his home in our hearts. Too often, I think we, we treat Christ as, as he's just coming for, for a couple of nights stay, like at a hotel or, or like an Airbnb or something like that, right? Like Christ, yeah, sure, Jesus, you, you can come in because I'm in need right now. You can come in because things are hard in my life, so now I'll pray. Now I'll go to church. Now I'll try to live for you because things are difficult in my life, or I really need you to do something, Jesus. So we invite him in for a little bit. He, he does whatever we want to do or he doesn't or whatever, and then, then we just go back to our lives, But Jesus doesn't want to treat our hearts like a hotel. He wants to come in and make his home in our hearts. That should be our desire. Jesus, come and dwell within me. Set up residence within me. Come and stay and hang out and make your home in my heart. That's Paul's prayer for us. So that's the first part of his prayer. The second thing he prays for is that we would be rooted and firmly established, or maybe some of your translations say grounded, in love in the love of Christ. So this idea uh, of being rooted brings it just what it says there, an idea of a tree with with strong and deep roots. And this idea of being firmly established or grounded carries with it this idea of a strong foundation, a strong foundation. That's what Christ wants to do within us. That's Paul's prayer for us, that the love of God, our love for God, would root us, like a strong tree, and would ground us like a firm foundation, a solid foundation. The next thing he prays for is that we may be able to comprehend the depth and greatness of God's love. I love how how he words it here. This is verse 18, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge. Knowledge. What Paul's trying to do here, because scholars debate over what what does he mean by the, the height and depth and width and all that of God's love. What Paul's trying to do here is he's trying to put words to God's love for us. And that's just really hard to do. Like, we can't fully comprehend how much God loves us. Like, take the thing that you love most in this world and then multiply it by, like, infinity, right? Like, that's God's love for us. That's hard to put words to. That's hard to comprehend, But what Paul is praying for us is that that we would just be overcome and overwhelmed with how much God loves us. That's what Paul wants for us. That we would be overcome and overwhelmed with the depth and the magnitude and the greatness of God's love for us. And the last thing he prays is that we would be filled with the fullness of God. Filled with the fullness of God. Of God. What that means is that, that we would be more and more like Jesus. As Paul writes elsewhere in Colossians chapter 2, I believe, it, it's Christ, in Christ the fullness of God dwells. And that's what Paul wants for us. That we would live and look more and more like Jesus as we live our lives. That's Paul's prayer for us. So I think it's interesting that, that when Paul prays and says, hey church, by the way, your job is to display and declare who God is to the world. In order to do that, he focuses on our love for God. And he prays that we would have a deeper love, knowledge, and devotion to God. So if we're going to be a people, if we're going to be a church that fulfills the mission that God has called us to, we have to be a people that are grounded in love, growing in love, filled with the love for God, filled with love. So being the church that God wants us to be starts with being the people that God wants us to be. So look, if you, if you came here today and, and you've, you know, we've been talking about our vision and stuff like that, what we're gonna do for 2023, if you came here looking for a calendar of events, sorry to disappoint you, I don't have that. We'll figure it out this year, all right? We're going to do some stuff. We are going to do some stuff. But I think too often we focus on the doing. What are we going to do? What's the next thing we're doing? What's the next event? What's the next Bible study? What's the next group that we're going to to start next, Travis? What are we going to do next? There's lots of stuff to do, all right? We, we We could have endless conversations about what to do. But I think too often we focus on the doing and we neglect who God wants us to be. And that's what I want to center our minds and our focus on for 2023. Let's be the people, the church that God wants us to be. Let's not get lost in just a bunch of activity and a bunch of doing and and neglect who God has called us to be. Because I'm just telling you, when we do that, we are going to burn ourselves out and we're going to become useless for God and his mission. So we have to get back to who God wants us to be. And this is who he wants us to be. First and foremost, people that love him that are grounded in love, rooted in love, established in love, filled with the love of God, overwhelmed with the depth of the love of God. That's who we are to be. So how do we do that? How do do we do that, right? I want to give you some some steps here. How do we do that? And and just, uh, just one statement to help us kind of process through what does it look like to grow in our love for God? How do we grow in our love for God? It's this. We grow in our love for God by finding our delight in God's love and presence. We find our our, our delight in God's love and presence. And that that word delight means to to find enjoyment, to find satisfaction, to find contentment, joy, hope, peace, all these things that our hearts long for, we find those in God. Too often we forget about that. And we try to find those things in in any number of stuff in the world. So if we're going to grow in our love for God, We have to get back to this idea of finding our delight in him, our satisfaction in him, our joy in him. David writes this in Psalm 63, verses 1 through 8. I want to read it for us today. Psalm 63, it says this, God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry and desolate and without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So I will bless you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. You satisfy me as with rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I think of you as I lie on my bed, I meditate on you during the night watches because you are my helper. I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. I follow close to you. Your right hand holds on to me. Those are such beautiful words written by David talking about the, the delight and the love that he has for God. And I think sometimes we can hear those words, and we picture David just kind of, you know, he's, he's king, right? He's the king. He's the guy that defeated Goliath. He's, he's the guy that, that, that's after God's own heart, right? All these things are awesome about David. We just kind of picture him writing these psalms where he's just kind of laying back, enjoying life in the palace, right? Of course, David, you're writing, oh, God, I love you. I love you more than life. Of course you can write that while you're just chilling in the palace and you got everything at your fingertips that you could ever want. But that's why context matters. And that's why we also have to read some of the descriptions that go along with these psalms. Because in my Bible it says, Psalm 63, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. And some of your Bibles might even have some cross-references that point you back to 2 Samuel 16-17. and And that tells us what's going on in David's life when he writes these words. And when we read 2 Samuel 16 and 17, what we find out is this may be the worst part of David's life. At this point in David's life, he has been driven out of the palace. He's been driven out of the kingdom of Jerusalem. He's been driven out into the wilderness by none other than his own son. And now his son has gathered the army of Jerusalem to go and hunt down and kill his own father. And David's hiding out in the wilderness from his son. Now, parents in the room, I'm just like you. I've made my kids frustrated with me. They've gotten mad at me and gotten, you know, angry, asking them to do something or getting on to them. They've never once tried to kill me that's pretty bad, y'all. This guy, David, that that had everything at his fingertips now has lost everything, and he's hiding for his life from his own son, and it's in that moment that David writes these words. Let's read it again. This is what David writes. In, in, In the pit, right, in the deepest and darkest hole that he's probably been in, the most despair maybe that he's ever felt in his life, he writes this, God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry and desolate and without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory my lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. I mean, just think about that for a moment. David is saying God's love for him is better than all of life. And remember, David has lived a life where he's had everything that he's wanted, right? He's had power, he's had fame, he's had any woman that he can get, right? Any, anything that we desire in this life, David has and has gotten and has received. And he says that God, your love is better than all of that. It's better than all of that. And he says it in the darkest moment of his life. So I will bless you as long as I live at your name. I will lift up my hands. You satisfy me as with rich food. I mean, think about that too. Think about the best meal you've ever had. If you could have anything to eat right now and you could have it right this second and you eat it, man, it's like, oh, oh, that's good. Right, good food is satisfying. David says, man, your love is more satisfying, God. Your love for me who you are is more satisfying than even the richest of foods. So how can David write these words? In the darkest moments of his life, I mean, just think about it. when we go through a difficult time, is this what we're praying? Or is it more like some of the other psalms that we read it's like, God, where are you? You've forsaken me. You've turned your back on me. Clearly you've forgotten about me and my circumstances because life is hard. I'm in despair. Where, where are you, Lord? How often is, is that our prayer and, and not these words? For it's like, I, I long for you. Your love is better than life. It doesn't matter what I have going on, Jesus, because I got you. How can David do that? It's because he's found his delight, his enjoyment, his satisfaction, his hope, his peace, his joy. Everything he could ever long for and want in life, he has found that in God not in his circumstances, not in his life, not in the blessings that God gives him. He's founded in God himself. This is what it looks like to grow in our love for God, that no matter what circumstances we have going on, that we could pray that prayer, that we could sing these words, that we can sing this song. So how do we do that? I want to give three ways uh, real quick before we move on to the next thing, three ways that we can find and grow in our, in our delight of God and his love and presence, right? So how can we do this? One, draw close to God. Real simple. You wanna grow in your love for God? You wanna grow in finding your joy and delight and satisfaction in God? You gotta spend time with him. You gotta spend time with him. You gotta spend time with him each and every day. Set aside time to dig into his word, to spend time meditating on scripture, right? Like that's what David tells us when he, when he thinks about, when, he, when he's at night, right? In the night watches, what's he doing? He's, he's dwelling on God, He's thinking about God. He's meditating on God and his words and his works and what he's done for him. We need to spend time with God. Spend time in his words. Spend time in meditation. Spend time in prayer. And look, you, maybe you're here and you're hearing this and you're, you're hearing that song of David and you're like, Travis, I just, you don't know what's going on, Travis. Like, th- life is hard. Like, I'm, I'm with David. Like, in, in just in, in the pits of despair and even thinking about saying those words, like I can't even bring myself to do that. You know, maybe, maybe the, the flame of, of your love for God has, has dwindled or, or even gone out. What do we do then? We draw close. In those moments of despair, in those moments of spiritual darkness or dryness, or just frustration or weariness, we draw close to God. We dig into his word. We spend time in prayer. We spend time meditating on him. And look, when we do that, it's not a quick fix. Like, so I think we just so want a quick fix. But but growing in our love for God's got to be a, a slow burn of, of a really good fire, right? If you ever built a really strong going fireman, it, it takes some time. It takes some care and some nurturing to grow that. You can't just... You know, throw a log on the ground, pour some kerosene, light a match, and boom, you're done, right? Like, that's not how it works. I remember going camping one time with some buddies when I was in college, and uh, my buddy invited one of his friends. I wasn't really good friends with him. He was a friend of a friend, because this dude was just, like, he was just crazy. Like, you just didn't know what this guy was going to do. you ever have a friend like that? I mean, this is, this was that guy. So we're getting there. We're laying everything out. We're putting our tents up, and we're, you know, kind of in the middle. We have this, this fire pit. And I'm like, man, when when this guy gets here, I, I know what he's going to do. He's going to find the biggest log that he can. He's going to throw it in the middle. He's going to throw a can of kerosene in there, light a match, and this whole place is going to burn to the ground. Like, I just know he's going to do that. Sure enough, when the guy pulled up, he got out, he got his stuff out, he found the biggest log he could possibly find, pulled out kerosene out of his truck, poured the entire thing of kerosene on this log, lit a match, and just walked away. I'm like, what are you doing? You're going to burn this place down. And sure enough, like, he's like, no, this will work. This will be fine. That fire burned out in almost the amount of time that it took to to ignite into flames, right? Like, that's not how you build a good fire. It takes time. It takes nurturing. Same with our relationship with God. You want to reignite that flame of love for God, of desire for God, of longing for God? It's going to take some time. It's going to take some cultivating. It's going to take some work of nurturing that time with Jesus. It starts here. So we as a church want to help you do this. So one of the ways that we're going to do this this year coming out soon, uh, we're going to restart our Bible studies. And, and last year we did men's and women's Bible study. This year we're going to do something a little different. We're going to try some different kind of Bible studies to help us grow in spending time with Jesus, building our love for Jesus. So the first one we're going to do, and we'll have more details about this soon. You can you know, write this down, keep it in the back of your mind, look out for emails and announcements and things like that. But we're going to, teach, we're going to do a class all about how to study your Bible. How do we build a time of devotional time with Jesus? So if you've ever read scripture and you're like, I don't know what that's saying. How do, what, Lord? I don't, what do we do? I don't know how to read that. I don't know what you mean by these words. How do I, you know, Leviticus, like, what do you want me to do with that, Jesus? Revelation, that's so confusing. I know, it is. All right, there's parts of our Bible that can be confusing and difficult to read. And too often we just go, that's too hard. So I'm just going to move on to the the thing that I know best. I'm just going to go back to the letters of Paul. I'm just going to go back to the Gospels. And then we neglect these large chunks of Scripture because we don't know how to read it. We don't know how to understand it or apply it to our lives. So that's what we want to teach you to do. We want to give you the tools to open up Scripture and have the confidence to know I can read this, understand it, and rightly apply it to my life. I know how to craft a a time, a personal devotional time with Jesus built on prayer, meditation, and, and the Word. That's what we wanna do. So we're gonna teach a class about that. Another thing that I want us to do is is grow in prayer. And I haven't thought this out very much and I don't even know that I've shared this with the elders yet. So they might be like, no, we're not gonna do that. But I'm just gonna throw it out there and we'll see what happens, right? So I, I want us to be a church that prays. Like how often are we just on our knees begging God, would you do a work here in this church, in this community? I want us to grow in prayer. So I don't, again, I don't have this well thought out. My, my first initial thought in how to help us do this is let's just gather before service and spend some time in prayer. So I don't know about you if you can be here or not, but, but nine o'clock next Sunday, um, I'll be somewhere. I'll be somewhere, come find me and we're just gonna spend time crying out to God. God, would you do something in this church? Would you do something in this community? Would you, would you use us? Let's get back to prayer. Let's get back to being on our knees before God, asking him to work in our lives and in this church and in this community. So again, you know, maybe that'll work out, maybe it won't. I don't know, maybe I'll be by myself. But either way, let's, let's be a church that prays and prays together, not just on our own, not just in our community groups, not just in Sunday school, but, but as a church body. Let, let's grow in prayer. All right, I need to speed up. We're taking too long here. All right, so draw close to God. The second thing, how we can grow in our delight of God is find rest in God, find rest in God. We need to get back to practicing a regular Sabbath. This is so needed in our busy world. Again, just so often focused on what are we doing next? What are we doing next? What are we doing next? We lose this idea of Sabbath, of finding our rest in God. And again, if we just keep doing, if we just keep going and going in all this activity and we neglect our hearts, we neglect growing in our love for God, we're just going to burn out. And we'll be useless for God. So we need to get back to this idea of regular Sabbath. God gives us the Sabbath for our own benefit. He tells us, take take a break, take time off of your work, off of your busyness, off of your doing, and focus back on me and find enjoyment and rest in me. We've got to practice a regular Sabbath. So find our rest in God. And the third thing, cultivate a heart of worship for God. This is why David can pin can these words in Psalm 63 is because he's cultivated a heart of worship for God. He is, he is worshiping and loving God above his circumstances, above even the many blessings that God has given him in his life. He worships God. Well, it, it, we're all worshipers, right? We all worship something. Too often we worship the things of this world, if we're honest with ourselves, right? These idols that the Bible speaks of. We're not bowing down to, to the altar of Baal or building an Asherah pole like we see in the Old Testament, but we sure bow down to the idol of work, of wealth, possessions, ambition, selfishness, comfort. Even our family, right, we can turn into an idol. Anything that we love more than God can easily become an idol that distracts us and leads us away from God. So we've got to, to cultivate a heart of worship. First, we have to identify and tear down those idols. And we have to direct those desires and that love back to where it belongs, and that's God. See, too often we we quench the Spirit's work in our hearts, we quench the work of God in our lives because we've given our hearts to lesser loves. We've given our hearts to lesser things, the things of this world instead of God. So we're gonna grow in our love for God. We have to cultivate a heart of worship as individual believers in our families, and then corporately together as a church. And one of the ways that we can grow in our worship as a body is exactly this, is making Sunday morning a priority of saying, you know what, I'm going to be here to worship with my church family, worship together with one another. I'm going to make this a priority. Being here matters. But what matters just as much and probably more so is not just that we come, but that we come with the right attitude. We need to enter these doors. We need to come here on Sunday mornings expecting an encounter with God, desiring an encounter with God. But too often we're focused on our own preferences, right? Too often we're focused, man, God, I could worship you if, if you know, the, the band sang that song that I love, but instead they did this one and I don't really like that song. Well, God, I'd have a heart for you if maybe they just sounded a little better. Well, God, I'd have a heart for you if that preacher was was better, if he had a better text, if he had better application points, if he really spoke to what I wanted to hear. Well, then I could worship you. Well, I could worship you, God, if it wasn't just for those other people. I don't really like them that much. But here I am at church with them. You get rid of them, and then I'll have a heart for you. No, church, that's, that's the wrong Mindset. We don't come to church focused on what we want. We come to church focused on encountering and meeting with the Lord. I think too often we come here and it's like if God were to meet us here, we'd be like, I didn't expect to see you. You come here too? Well, isn't that interesting? And we need to come with an expectation, church, that God is here in our midst, that we can encounter him, that we can spend time with him, that we can glorify his name regardless of how great or bad the preaching is or the worship is or whatever our preferences are. Come here with an expectation, church. All right, I gotta gotta go faster. Sorry, I'm gonna keep you guys here forever. So our first prayer is that we would grow in our love for God by finding our delight in his love and presence. The second thing, the second thing we wanna focus on is growing in our love for others, growing in our love for others. And this comes from 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 11 through 13, it says this. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And here's what I want us to focus on, verse 12. And may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone, just as we do for you. May he make your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints, amen. So I'm gonna wanna focus in on that, that verse 12. Paul prays specifically for this Thessalonian church that the Lord would cause them to increase and overflow with their love for one another and everyone. Increase and overflow. That word increase means to grow in abundance, to, to have too much of something, right? Like think of all the things we got in our house. Like how, how, how many things are we just like, man, I got too much of that stuff. I need to get rid of some of that stuff. Like that's how much love we need to have. Where it's like, man, I got too much love. I don't know what to do with it. I've got too much, Lord. I, and where do I put it? That's how much love we want to have for each other and for everyone. And then Paul says he wants this, this love to overflow. Again, this idea of, of having more than enough, of having leftover. You're like, you got so much, you got leftovers. It's the same word used when Jesus feeds the 5,000. If you remember that, that miracle, Jesus feeds the 5,000. He got all these hungry people. The disciples come like, hey, everybody's hungry. And he's like, okay, what do you got? And they're like, well, we found this kid with some bread and some fish. Not enough, though. No, I don't know what to do with that. He's like, I got this. I got this. Start passing out baskets. And what do they do? They, they give enough, and everybody has their fill, and they're so full they've got leftovers. That word for leftovers, it's the same word here. Paul wants us to have so much love that we've got leftovers. We're filled with love to the point of it's overflowing, and we got leftovers. And we want to echo that prayer too. I want to echo that prayer for us. We want to be a church that would increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone. And why does, why does Paul pray that? Why, why is this idea of loving one another so just scattered throughout the New Testament? Like Paul talks about this idea of love for one another so much. It's because that, that's so vital for churches to have love for one another. Because if we have love, if we're growing and increasing and overflowing with love for one another, then, then it will increase our unity, it will increase our togetherness as a people. It will, it, we will be able to grow in our forgiveness and forbearance of one another. And man, we need that, right? We, we need to, to grow in our forgiveness and forbearance. So it, it, will, it will cause us to, to be more open and welcome to the outsider, to, to inviting others in. It will lead us to be more encouraging towards one another. It will allow us to truly know one another and be truly known by others. And I could go on and on with why it's important to grow in our love for one another. But it is. It's a big deal. So how are we going to do that as a church? Real quick, three things that we can do to grow in our love for others. One is to build, strengthen, and deepen relationships with one another, with, with those here in this room in our church. We want to build, strengthen, and deepen our relationships with one another. So think about this, think, and you can even look around the room if you need to, don't make it awkward or weird, but, but think about this, how many people here in this room have you been coming to church with for a year, two, three, four, five years, and you look across and you're like, Man, you know, I don't really know anything about them. I kind of maybe remember their names sometimes, couldn't tell you anything about their family, couldn't tell you about anything about their relationship with the Lord. Look, I'm telling y'all, our church is too small for that. We have this incredible opportunity that larger churches don't have to know one another deeply. We should know each other. So if you're looking around and you're like, I don't really know that person, take the initiative. Invite them out to lunch. Invite them over for dinner. Invite them to hang out and just get to know each other. The Lord has brought us together to love and care and know one another. Let's not neglect that. Take the initiative to get to know one another. And if you're like, man, how do I do that? It's awkward to do that. Well, okay, well, here, here's a new way that, that we're going to help you. We're going to systematize this for you as a church. We announced this last week. We'll keep announcing it, but we've got these. Take time to make connections group that are coming, and they're just they're dinner groups, all right? We're gonna, if you want to get to know one another, sign up for this group. We'll put you in a group with three other people, and y'all are going to have dinner, hang out, and get to know each other. So if you want a little bit more of a systematic approach, we got you. If you just want to take this initiative on your own, praise be to God for that. That'd be awesome too. Well, we need to deepen and strengthen our relationships with one another. We should know each other deeply. Let's take advantage of this gift that God has given us. And a church our size, we, we can do this. We got this. So let's do that. Another way that we can strengthen our relationships with one another is to fight and preserve unity. Not just get to know each other, but to fight for unity. Because look, here's what happens when we get to know each other. We're gonna realize how much of a sinner we all are. And when we're in relationships with other sinners, there's going to be friction. There's going to be disagreements. There's going to be sin. And what God calls us to do is work it out. Forgive and forbear. That idea of bearing with one another that we see throughout the New Testament means to put up with each other. To put up with each other. To go, you know what? You drive me a little crazy, but I'm gonna love you anyways. You drive me a little nuts, but I love you too much, so we're going to keep doing this thing. Right? It's, it's like with our own family. Like how many? You, I don't want to make you raise your hand, but we've got family that drives us crazy, right? Like Let's just be real. We, uh, Carolyn's with me. We've got family that drives us crazy. Guess what we're called to do with those family members that drive us crazy? Love them and continue in relationship with them. The church is a family. So look, when there's disagreements, when there's infighting, we don't, we don't just neglect that person. We don't avoid them. We don't push them away. We confront with gentleness, kindness, and grace, and we fight for unity. We work it out. We restore and repair the relationships because God has brought us together as a family. So where there's disagreements, where there's disunity, church, let's, let's fight to restore, repair, and preserve the unity that God has for us. All right, second thing. Second way we can grow in our love for one another real easy is to serve. It's to serve one another. Look, if you're not serving, if you're here and you are not regularly serving, I I don't know how else to tell you. We, We need you, first of all. We need you. We absolutely need you. And second of all, it's for your good and it's for your benefit. Serving is a great way to love and care for each other. It's a great way to build relationships with one another. So if you're not currently serving, step into serving. Let's look for opportunities to care for and meet each other's needs. So serve one another. And, and the third way that we can do this, that we can grow in our love for one another, is to expand our circles. Expand our circles. And, and here's what I mean by that. Every single one of us has, has a circle of people in our lives, has, has a group of people that, that we're in community with, that we're in relationship with. It, you know, sometimes it, it, you've got a family circle, but, but I'm talking more along the lines of, of, of your friendship circle, of people that, that you've invited into your lives that you know deeply, that deeply know you. And a lot of times what we do is we take that circle and we close it and we keep it tight. We keep it shut off from anybody else entering in. But if we're gonna truly love one another, and look, that's what Paul says here, right? We're not to just increase and overflow with love for each other, the church. What else does he say? He says love for one another and everyone, everyone else. So we have to grow in expanding our circles opening up our circle of relationships and inviting others into it inviting others in so how do we do that one as a church body we we welcome the visitor we welcome the visitor man if there's anybody here that you see and you're like man i don't know them and look if if you're not sure if it's their first time or their their 50th time it doesn't matter if you don't know them go and get to know them welcome them in Let's take the blinders off of, I only talk to these people and I only talk to my friends and I only get to know them and let's go and get to know those who the Lord may bring here as a visitor. Look, if you, if you haven't been to a church for the first time where you don't know anybody in a while, I give you permission to take a Sunday off, take your family, your spouse, whoever, to a church where you don't know anybody and walk into it. I want you to feel that awkwardness and that tension again. Because when people come here and they don't know anybody, that's what they're feeling. And we can ease that tension, we can ease that awkwardness by welcoming them in. You don't have to smother them, all right? I'm not asking you to do that. But can we have conversations? Can we engage them? Can we talk to them? Can we invite them? Hey, do you, do you have a place to sit you want to come sit next to me? Can we and maybe invite them out to lunch? Can we invite them into our small group? So if you see somebody here where you're man, I don't I've never seen that person before. And look, maybe they've been coming for months, I don't know. Get to know them, all right? Get to know them. Let's welcome the visitor. Another way we expand our circles is focus on our Jerusalem. We've talked about this a lot with the book of Acts. The mission of God starts in Jerusalem. It starts close to home. That's where it's gotta start for us. What is your Jerusalem? Focus on your Jerusalem. We need to ask ourselves regularly, who, who's around me on a regular basis? Is it your neighbors? Do you have neighbors? If you don't know your neighbors, start there. It's a great place to start. Well, how do I do that? Well, you, you invite them over for dinner. Invite them out to lunch. Invite them to, to hang out with you on a weekend. I don't know. There's lots of different things we can do. But start there. Start with your neighbors. Get to know them co coworkers. who are you working with every week? And not just are you having these you know, superficial conversations that we have at work. Are you, are you truly getting to know the people around you? Are you building deep relationships with the people that God has brought into your life? Look, we're, we're routine people. All right? you, some of us may be more rigid than others, but typically most of us are, are routine. Right? We, we go to, if we're going to go buy coffee, we go to the, the same place around the same time that we do every time we're buying groceries, we typically go the same time every day, every week, whatever it is, to the same place. Use your routines, leverage your routines for the sake of the gospel. What are you doing on a regular basis and, and who else is doing that on a regular basis? So again, when we when we get our eyes off of, of our own stuff. We're going to start to notice things around me. And look, I'm telling you, like this is difficult for me. When I go to the store, I have a list, and I stick to my list, and I'm focused on my list, and I get in and I get out as quickly as possible. Self-checkout, praise the Lord for self-checkout that's me. Like, i have just letting you know, like, that's how I'm wired. I remember taking a guy that I worked with in my last church. Uh, he, it was his first week and, and I had to go get him a Costco card. So was, we bought a lot of stuff at Costco for the church. So I brought him, he's like, hey man, I got to go. You can come with me. We'll get your card. But then I got stuff to get to. And he was one of those guys that like, just, he wanted to peruse and shop. And I'm like, no, we do not have time for that. Do you stay with me? All right. I've treating him like one of my kids. You hold on to the cart and you stay with me because we got stuff there. I got to get in and get out. That's, that's, that's my mindset. So, uh, If you're like me, we gotta take some work to go lift up our eyes and see who's around us. My wife, I'm gonna brag on her because she's not in the room. She's great at this. And at one of the places that we used to live, she would go get groceries the same time at the same place every week. And what she started to notice is there was one older gentleman, cashier, that was working every single time she was there. So what she did was intentionally go to his line every single time and just slowly begin to have conversations, slowly get to know him, and eventually it led to the point where, hey, we know each other well enough that I can invite you to church. And I can invite you to know Jesus. And I praise the Lord he was already a believer but didn't have a church home. And this opened up the opportunity, hey, would you come, would you come in? So again, it just takes a little bit of effort. It takes a little bit of, of getting off our own focus and our own lives and our own lists and what we have going on to expand our circle. So leverage your routines. Leverage the people that you see over and over and over again for the gospel. And then... As you get to know, as you get to build relationships, invite people in. Invite people to church. Invite people to know Jesus. Invite people in with the gospel. And look, I'm just going to say this. If, if you're like, man, I'm, I'm ready to expand my circle. I'm ready to, to engage non-believers. But Travis, I just don't know how to talk about the gospel. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Well, I'm going to tell you this. There's, there's an incredible book, and I completely forgot to bring it this morning. Uh, but it's called Gospel Fluency by Jeff Vanderstelt. And here's my commitment to you as your pastor. If you will read that book, I'll buy it for you. I'll buy it for you. You tell me, Travis, I want that book, and I will get it for you. Let me take that extra step of purchasing it or whatever off your plate. I will get it for you. If you're like, I don't read books. I listen to books on audio. Well, pray to the Lord to change that. But I will get you an audio book. I'll get you an audio version. All right, that is my commitment to you. That's how how life-changing this book was for me. And figuring out how to incorporate the gospel into your everyday language. This book is phenomenal. So if you'll read it, I'll get it for you. Just tell me. Tell me after service, email me, call me, text me, whatever it is. Just let me know, and I'll get it for you. So our second prayer for 2023 is that we would grow in our love for others by building, strengthening, and expanding our relationships with the people around us. So this is our focus, church. 2023, this is what it's all about, growing in love how can we take steps to grow in our love for God and our love for others? How can we be the people and the church that God wants us to be so that he can use us the way he wants to use us? Let's grow in love. And look, the first step to doing any of this is be honest with yourself about where you're at. Be honest with yourself. So again, if, if, going back to our first point, if you're here and you're just like, Travis, man, I'm, I'm worn down. I'm worn down, I'm burned out spiritually, I'm I'm, I'm in that wilderness that David was talking about, like I'm in the wilderness spiritually, and I've got nothing. And that flame, that fire that I had for God, man, it is gone, it's been extinguished, and I don't know how to get it back. Well, if that's you, if you're struggling with your love for God, if you're feeling spiritually weary or spiritually dry, I want that to be your focus this year. Hear me as your pastor, that's what I want you to focus on, reigniting that passion and that flame for Jesus. Look, there, I mean, I just talked about it serving and giving and all that. Like, there are times where we as believers, we're, we're to give to the church, right? We're to give financially. We're to give of our time and our resources and our talent. We're to give and we're to pour out to others and the church. But there are times where, man, we've poured ourselves out too much and we've got nothing left. And there are times where instead of giving, we need to be in a season of receiving, So for those of you who may be here that are struggling spiritually, that are weary and dry spiritually, I want you to hear this as your pastor, from your pastor, this is what I want for you. I want you to be in a season of receiving. Be in a season of receiving and filling yourself back up with the love of God. Start there. Start there. If we're not careful, if we don't do that, we're gonna burn ourselves out, okay? Okay to start there, bring that weariness and that frustration to God, right? There's, I didn't read them, but there's plenty of Psalms, again, that, that go, God, where are you? What are you doing? We can echo those prayers too so that hopefully it can lead us back to the prayer of Psalm 63, right? So start there. Or maybe you're here and you're realizing, man, I don't have strong relationships with people in the church. Well, we'll start there, right? Sign up for one of those take-time groups. Sign up for a small group. Sign up to serve. Start start uh, investing into the people of this church. Take the initiative to get to know one of those. So maybe you need to start there. Or maybe you've realized, man, I've got some friction and some relationships that I need to repair and work on. Start there. Start there. And if you need help navigating that, like, let us know. Your elders, pastor, are here to help with those things. And look, if you're here, and maybe you're like, "Man, no, I'm good with relationships here. I'm strong with relationship, strong in my relationship with God." But you know what, Travis? I have become inwardly focused. I have become too focused on my own circle, and, I, and I've actually I've, I've closed off that circle. Well, maybe where you need to start is is opening that circle back up. Opening that circle back up. Look around at your Jerusalem, and seeing who you can invite in, seeing who you can build a relationship with so you can invite them into the gospel. And again, just if you need that resource, if you were willing to read that book, Gospel Fluency, let me know, and I'll buy it for you. All right, I'll do it this week. That's my commitment to you. I will get that for you. So that's our focus for 2023. And look, we have these little cards that I made, and sorry, the font's a little small, but um, we have these cards. They're over there uh, where our offering... um, bucket, thing, whatever, box, that's the word I was looking for, box, the offering box, where that is over there on that little table. We have these little cards that have the the main points that I laid out for us, our main focus, along with some passages for us to meditate on. So take one of these as just a reminder, put it somewhere where you'll see it regularly, put it in your Bible, whatever works for you. Uh, take these and, and take it home and, and look over it and remind ourselves this, this is our focus for this year as a church. We want to grow in love. Let's grow in our love for God. Let's grow in our love for others. Let's be, let's be like the disciples in that, that little boy when Jesus fed the 5,000, right? I love that Jesus, they come, hey, Jesus, everybody's hungry. And he's like, whoa, whoa, what do you got? What do you got? Let's bring what we have to the Lord and ask him to bless it. Let's bring what we have to the Lord and ask him to make so much of it that there's leftovers. That's what we want to do as a church. So be honest where you're at. Let's take steps towards growing in love for God and love for one another this year. Let me pray for us. Church, as we do, every Sunday, we're gonna step into a time of worship and communion. So if you're here and you're a believer, this time is for you. So I just wanna encourage you, let's all just bow our heads, close our eyes, and I want us to, to spend this moment of this service praying Being honest with ourselves. God, where am I? Where am I at? Where do I need to take steps? Where do I need to grow? Lord, reveal that to me. Show me where I need to grow. Show me where I need to take steps. And let's just spend some time just praying for the Lord to do something here. Let's cry out to God, God, this is this is what we have. It may not seem like much, but Lord, you have done far more with far less. So Lord, we ask you to do a work here. Church, let's pray for God to work and move in this church, in our lives, and in this community. So I want you to, I want to encourage you to spend some time in prayer and seeking the Lord, praying for him to grow your love for him and reignite that flame. Pray for him to grow your love for one another to so the point where it's increased and overflowing and there's leftover. Pray for God to, to lead you to expand and open up your circle of relationships. And church, as, as you're ready, we go on either side of the room. We take the cup, we, we eat the bread, we drink, and we remember who our God is and what he's done for us. That's the beauty of this moment, is we get to come every single Sunday and remember what God has done. Let's let the truth of the gospel, the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, ignite our love for him and our love for others. So church, as you're ready, you take, you eat, and we, we come back and we worship our good God and Savior. Jesus, we thank you for your love for us, Lord. As Paul says, Lord, I pray that we would even come close to a shred of understanding the, the height and depth and magnitude and greatness of of your love, Lord. That you loved us so much that you gave your life for us, Jesus. Sinners, enemies of you. You died and rose again and you saved and rescued us, Lord. Would we remember that in these moments of darkness and difficulty, Lord, Would we cling tightly to that truth. Would we let your love for us lead us to a deeper love for you and for others. And Lord, I pray for this church. I pray for the people here. Lord, I pray for this moment in this history of the church at Haines Creek. Lord, would you use this as a moment to do your work, Lord. Lord, we pray for you to move in this place. We pray for you, Lord, to to bring us together, to unite us together, to grow us in our love for one another and then let that love spill out into the community, into the world around us, Lord. Would you give us such a heart and a passion for you and for others and for this community, Lord, that we become this missional force for your name. Lord, would you use us, would you use this church to see people in this community, find salvation, find hope, find, find healing and restoration, Lord? Would you do that? Would you work? Would you move in power? Lord, you're the only one who can do that. This is your work, Jesus. So we pray that you would, we pray that you would use us in whatever way you see fit, Jesus. We bring you what we have and we ask you to bless it and multiply it and give us leftovers, Lord. We love you. We worship you today in your name we pray.